Okay. Well, we're going to jump right in here today. Um, we've been talking a lot about hope and uh, hope for mental health and what that means. And um, a lot of folks today in, in our world do not have the hope that they need in this area. And so uh, that's one reason we're talking a little bit about this is we want to make sure that we are being beacons of hope to those in our community and those in our life, those who work with us and those who are our friends and uh, even ourselves, right? We all need a little bit of encouragement sometimes when we're dealing with this. And so today we're going to be talking about hope for depression. Uh, and so many of us have experienced that or know people that have experienced that. So I hope today that we can get a couple of snippets in here in this series about depression. Uh, major depression is just one form of depression. There's several different types. Uh, major depression, though, uh, is said to affect more than 9 million people. Um, in our nation. Uh, diagnosis of major depression has risen dramatically by 33% since 2013, and this rate is rising even faster among millennials, up to 47%, and adolescents, up to 47% of boys and 65% of girls. Women are often more affected by depression and are diagnosed with major depression at a higher rate than men are. So what are some of those symptoms of depression? You're probably already very familiar with some of them. Uh, but uh, appetite changes, right? Uh, you might do some stress eating, right? The food becomes your comfort. Sometimes that is a thing. And then sometimes you just feel so bad you don't feel like eating at all. Uh, trouble with sleep. That might be trouble going to sleep. Or you might want to sleep all day, right? You might want to sleep a lot. Um, Feeling fatigued, having not just not having much energy, uh, lack of energy. You know, you you go for a little while and then you're just absolutely worn out. Uh, irritable. A lot of people don't understand that depression carries with it a symptom of anger and irritability, especially in adolescents and men. Uh, that is a symptom of depression. Uh, isolation, withdrawn withdrawn behaviors. Want just to be away from everybody, be secluded, be alone. Um, feeling worthless, I'm no good, nobody cares about me, nobody loves me. Uh, trouble concentrating, right? You, your thoughts are foggy and cloudy and you can't really concentrate that well. And then sometimes we have thoughts of hurting or killing ourselves. Uh, that's a major uh, symptom there we, we've got to be especially careful for. Um, sit, we, we talked a little bit over this series how different things like anxiety and depression can be biological, Right? It can run in the family. Uh, we might have the, the DNA and the genes that make us more predisposed uh, to these types of things. Uh, but, and it can be the result of a chemical imbalance. Uh, but it can also be situational. Right, The things we go through, the things we're living through right now. If you've ever lost anybody close to you, you know that experience very well of what it's like to, to slip into a depression. Right, um, Or sometimes even just having a major change in your life can cause uh, you to get down and feel depressed. So can be lots of different things that can cause it. Um, I'm not necessarily so much interested in the causes, what we do to try to pick ourselves back up. Um, as we think about depression and how it relates to the Bible, we might be thinking, well, what's that got to do with Scripture? What does that have to do with the Bible? It actually has a lot to do with Scripture and the Bible. Uh, there are, are example after example after example of people in the Bible who experience depression. Now, you might not necessarily see the word depression 
in the Bible, you might see the word uh, the words cast down, right? Uh, you might see a word like that in there. It means basically the same thing. The same thing. But here's some examples. Uh, one of the greatest examples is probably Job. Everybody remember his story? I mean, he's bebopping along. Things are going great. He's got plenty of money. He's got a great family. And then all of a sudden, these people come and like kill his family. And then he loses all the stuff that he has. And then he gets like really, really sick. And he doesn't know what to do. And man, you talk about going into a great pit of despair. He did that, and rightfully so. Uh, Job 7 talks about how his days... He said, my days are going to come to an end and there is no hope. He said, my eyes won't see anything good again. Right? Boy, is that depression or what? Isn't that what it says? Right? I'm not going to, nothing ever good is ever going to happen again. Nothing ever good. So, so Job is feeling that pressure and he's feeling that weight and he is down, 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 down. And then we see another man by the name of Moses. Right, he's a very prominent figure in the Old Testament. We look back into the Old Testament. Moses is like everywhere, right? He's responsible for writing uh, a lot of the, the books that are in the Old Testament, right? The first five especially, right, are credited to, to him. And so he's also responsible for getting the commandments of God and bringing them down the mountain and then uh, giving out the law of God and leading the people out of Egypt, right? Leading the Hebrew children out of there. He had a lot of responsibility. He was great. He was humbly following God. And yet in Deuteronomy chapter 1, he says this, How can I bear the troubles, the burdens, and the disputes of the people myself? Right? Go back and read Deuteronomy 1 and see what it says. But how can I bear this? How do I put up this burden? How do I bear the weight that I feel? And sometimes if you're depressed, you know people who are depressed, it's like just a weight sitting on you, man. You're just like, what am I going to do? How do I do this? How do I overcome this? It feels really, really heavy. And then we see David, right? King David. Man, you talk about a man of God, right? He's out tending his sheep, right? He's killing lions and bears with his bare hands. Not sure how he did that other than just the Lord, right? But he's this great guy of faith. He's praying. He's seeking after the Lord, and yet, he cries out in the Psalms about all his difficulties. And he talks about how at times he's groaning all day long. Just overwhelmed. Overwhelmed with the stress of life and feeling burdened. And then we see Jeremiah. He was so depressed that he was known as the weeping prophet. Right? Known as the weeping prophet in the Old Testament. Right? We see him just writing laments after laments. He's sad. He's depressed. He's overwhelmed. And then Elijah, someone we're going to be talking about today, uh, one of the greatest of God's prophets. He just wanted to die. Just wanted, he just wanted to sit down and be done. So I say all this not to depress you, but to say if you've ever experienced any depression, you're in good company. I mean, you are counted among people of great faith, right? Many of God's greatest warriors experienced what it was like to be depressed, right? Now, we wouldn't say necessarily that Jesus was depressed, but there was even times when Christ himself experienced great sadness. If you go back to the garden, you think about right before he's preparing to go to the cross, right? I mean, he's just feeling overwhelmed, right? The Bible talks about how even his sweat became great drops of blood. 
right? And he would even look at his disciples and say, can't you even be with me, right, just for a little bit? Right? No, that's my words. Go back and read it. But, you know, can't you just watch with me just for a little while? He felt that pressure and that stress, right? So I would venture to say, though, that all of us at some point have either experienced depression for ourselves or we've been affected by depression of someone else, right, in our family. Right? Maybe, you, maybe you had a parent, right, that experienced depression and you know what it was like uh, to see that. And maybe, maybe that was even a little bit scary at times to see that. So today, I'm hoping to give you a couple pitfalls of depression and a couple of principles to live by as we think about how to deal with this. And if you're not dealing with it, I want you to kind of put on your thinking cap of how you can help somebody else that maybe you know or you love to get through some of this. So as we look at this, we're going to be looking at the prophet Elijah, right, in 1 Kings. We can go there in a few minutes. But let me tell you a little bit about his history first. He had this great history. Uh, he had a history of greatness even. Uh, I mean, this guy was raising people from the dead. I mean, he's speaking out against an entire kingdom and the tyranny that they were subjected to. Uh, he's healing sick people. He's getting attention of people in power. I mean, we're not talking about a little preacher in a country church. We're talking about a guy who's prominent. I mean, he's up in the forefront of the nation calling things out, like being like, man, you guys are wrong. You need to turn back to God. I mean, he's, he's really serious about things. And then his most recent success, before we pick up the scripture that we're going to read today, he's putting to shame 850 false prophets, right? Prophets of Baal and then another little god that's out there. And he's putting to shame. They have this big competition. And, and basically Elijah comes and says, listen, you people need to turn back to God. You need to listen. You need to get your hearts right. And I want to prove it to you today. And we're going to have a competition. You bring your prophets and you guys prepare this sacrifice. And then I want you to call on your gods and I want you to see if they'll answer you by fire. And so they had this big competition. And then those prophets, they cried out to their gods all day long. They screamed. They cut themselves. They were bleeding. I mean, and then Elijah's just over in the corner. and it's being, He's just like making this a joke and being like, Hey, guys, what's wrong? How come your gods are not answering you? What's the problem here? All day long that took place. And then we see Elijah say, Listen, now here's what I want you to do. I want to rebuild this altar. And then I want you to get buckets of water. And I want you to pour it on the altar. And he even dug a trough around the altar and poured water in that too. I mean, this thing soaking wet. And then with just a short prayer, God calls, uh, Elijah calls on the name of the Lord. And fire from heaven falls down on the sacrifice and consumes the sacrifice. And even the water that was around it. Right? And the people that were there believed. And they said, oh, the Lord, he is God. We're going to serve this God. And they rounded up all those, those prophets, those false prophets, and they slew them. Right? No more. Right? And then to beat, it, to beat it all, that's not all. Elijah goes on. There's been this famine for three years. And Elijah goes up on the mountain. He begins to pray and call on the Lord. And then he prays, he prays, he prays. And then God answers and sends this little rain cloud up in the sky. And he goes and then he outruns a chariot. Right? I mean, you talk about doing some amazing things in the power of God. I mean, this guy was doing them. But that's not where the story ends. Let's look at 1 Kings for a minute. Um, 1 Kings 19. 
verse 3 through 5, it says, Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. What? What happened? So this lady gets after him, right? She's really mad, and she's like, man, you did all this stuff, I'm getting ready to kill you, right? So he runs away, and the Bible says he went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. Then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, for I'm no better than my ancestors who have already died. Then he lay down and slept under the broom tree. Whoa, what just happened? Right? What just happened? We see him going from this great, this, this period of just greatness, man, doing some awesome things, and now he's like so depressed he just wants to die. So this isn't on my outline, but I do want to throw this in. Sometimes depression will hit you after great successes. You may not be aware of that. That's something to watch for. Sometimes we have great successes, right? And we've had success for so long, we don't know what to do with ourselves when we don't have it anymore. And that can cause us to go into a pretty big slump. But let's look at pitfall number one. Depression isolates. Depression isolates. Right? Notice that Elijah, he goes alone into the wilderness, right? He leaves his servant behind. He, and then he starts talking like, man, I've had enough. Lord, I'm done. I've had enough. Right? One of the things that often happens when we're feeling low is we have this desire to be alone. That's not necessarily a bad thing if we're not alone for a really long time. Sometimes you do need to be alone. Sometimes you need to pull back and take a break and get your head cleared out. But man, when you notice people starting to be alone for for days and weeks at a time, then you know that there's a serious problem. That's one of the things that depression does to us. It isolates us from people that love us and people that care about us. We might be isolated not only physically, but we might also be isolated emotionally, right? We kind of not only pull away, but we pull in. We pull into ourselves, right? Everything outside is dark. Everything, we got a rain cloud over everything, right? So, Pitfall number one, it will isolate you. It will isolate you. We've got to be very, very careful about that. Pitfall number two, it's going to promote fatigue. Elijah just wanted to go to sleep. He just wanted to lay down and go to sleep. That was it. And in and of itself, that's not a bad idea either. Rest can be really good. Right? But he wants to lay down and go to sleep. It will fatigue you. I don't know if you've ever experienced depression, but sometimes... You'll have days where you don't even feel like you can put one foot in front of the other, right? Your mind is saying, just go back to bed. Don't get up. Don't deal with the day. Just forget about it. Just let other people deal with it, right? You're already isolated. Now you feel really tired, right? Which really promotes pitfall number three. Depression will create tunnel vision, right? We see Elijah here. He didn't have any hope. He's like done, right? He just wants to die. Right? The only hope that he could see, if I die, maybe it'll all get better. Isn't that what happens to so many people who get depressed? Right? Why is that? Uh, usually when you get depressed, you, you have this tunnel vision that takes place. It's hard to see anything that could possibly be different. You can't back up sometimes and get the perspective that you need, but you're just looking forward and you're just like, okay, this is awful. The only way out for some people feels like death. 
right? And so that's really a hard thing for us to hear, and it's a really hard thing for us to understand about depression, but it is that tunnel vision. Um, and so we have to be very, very careful about that. And we'll talk about some things that we need to do in just a minute to help with some of that. But let's keep reading our story about Elijah and see what else happens. First uh, Kings uh, 19 and 5 through 7, it says, As he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, Get up and eat. He looked around, and there beside his head was some bread baked on hot stones and a jar of water. So he, so he ate, and he drank, and he lay down again. And then the angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, Get up and eat some more. The journey ahead will be too much for you. Right? After a while, God sends this angel. Right? So let me give you a principle. Principle one here is you got to know when to get up. Okay? you got to know when to get up. you got to take care of yourself. Right? Maybe you do need some rest for a little bit. Maybe... Life has stressed you out and then you, it has led you to this depression and you're tired. You need some rest and that's good. Take some rest, right? But you also got to know when to get up because your brain is not going to tell you, hey, bud, it's time to get up. I know you're depressed, but go ahead and get up. Your brain will not work that way. Your brain will continue to tell you you're too tired. You're too fatigued. It's not going to work. Just stay in bed. So you got to do a little bit of fighting here. And you've got to know when to get up. If you're rested, right, get up, right? The Bible says that he had to eat something, right? When we're getting really low and really depressed, we don't even feel like eating sometimes. And so we've got to remind ourselves we've got to eat. We've got to take care of ourselves. We've got to keep pushing. You've got to kind of push yourself a little bit, even when it doesn't seem like it's working at all. Even when it feels like it's counterproductive, you've still got to push yourself just a little bit. Right? And sometimes if you will just push yourself, you kind of fake it till you make it. If you push long enough, you'll push through it. Right? And, I, and don't let me, don't let that sound like I think depression, that depression can be overcome by hard work because I don't think that it can. Sometimes you might be in that depression for five, six months or longer, depending on what's going on, depending on what, why it's there. If it's a chemical imbalance, right, that might be a, a really long depression. And you might need to talk to the doctor and work with him with medications and things like that. Uh, but at another point, you've got to fight. You've got to find that fight inside of yourself and push a little bit. So know when to get up. And then another one is find an angel. Find an angel. You're thinking, man, that might be easy for you, Pastor. I've got any angels flying around my house. You might not find an angel of God in terms of a biblical angel, but you might find an angel that's in the form of a friend, a relative, a pastor, a counselor. Somebody that can come into your life and help you, be an encourager to you, right? One of the greatest lies that we can believe is that I can fix this myself. I can do it all on my own, right? People who try that slip further and further down. We need somebody, right? It doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be a professional even all the time. Sometimes it just needs to be a good friend, somebody that you can talk to, somebody that's going to be able to hold you, uh, not necessarily accountable, but but help you get up. Right? Did you notice how that angel looked at him and he said, "Look, dude, get up, get up and eat." Right? You need that friend that's strong enough to look at you and say, "Man, I know you're depressed." 
I know you're sad. I know things are bad right now. But we got to take care of you. You've got to get up and you've got to take care of yourself and you've got to eat. You need that friend that will come along and push you. Find that angel in your life that will be willing to do that. Right? Find that person who will be willing to encourage you and willing to strengthen you. First uh, Kings 19, 8-10 says, the Bible says, So he got up, he ate and he drank, and the food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. Right? So we see still his sadness and his depression is not over. Now, right, he's traveling, he's at the mountain of God, and there he came to a cave where he spent the night. Right? So he's in this cave, he's spending the night, he's still in this dark place, and notice what the Lord says. The Lord says to him, what you doing here, Elijah? <laughs> what you doing? Right? I love the fact that we see that right there in this scripture. What are you doing here, Elijah? The Lord didn't come and say, Look, dude, suck it up. Get over it. Come on. Quit being a wimp. Right? The Lord didn't do any of that. He just says, What you doing here? Right? So conversational, we see... God, isn't that cool that the God of the universe can be conversational with you? I mean, just a side note there. And Elijah replies, and he says, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you. They've torn down your altars. They've killed every one of your prophets. And I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. Right? All right, God, you want to hear about it? Here it is. Right? Listen. That's a very positive thing to do right there. Pray your emotions, right? God made your emotions. He made you the way you are. In fact, the God we serve is an emotional God. We see it all through Scripture. We see Jesus weeping. We see God becoming angry. We see uh, the, the, laments, the laments of heaven sometimes. God's an emotional God. He's not afraid of our emotion. So one of the most beneficial things that you can ever do is learn to pray your emotions. God, I'm frustrated. God, I'm angry. God, I'm broken. I'm sad. And just let it out. That's so spiritually therapeutic. Right to to let that that stuff out of your system, right? But I want you to notice a pitfall here. Depression distorts the truth. It always distorts the truth. Elijah quickly believed that he was the only one left, even though we just seen in the the passage before this, many people turned to the Lord because of his great works that he did through Elijah. Right? You go back to that altar and the Bible tells us that many people turned to the Lord that day. Right? They actually helped destroy some of those, uh, those false prophets. Uh, but he's saying, I'm the only one left and they're trying to kill me. Depression lies to you. It tells you stuff like you're worthless. Right? You're the only one going through this right now. This is terrible. You're in, right. You're no good, and nobody loves you anymore. Nobody cares about you, and you're all alone. Lie after lie after lie. Depression will tell us, right? If you've ever been dep depressed, you need to ask yourself, what is what is depression saying to me? If it had a voice, what would it be saying right now? Right. We talked. We talked about the other week how we need to always take those things that go through our head and challenge them with the truth. Right? Be careful because depression will destroy, it will distort the truth. 
Um, I always tell people, don't make any major decisions while you're depressed because you'll make the wrong decision, right? You'll quit the job. You'll quit the team. You'll quit the church, right? If you get sad and you get overwhelmed and frustrated, that's not the time to make major life decisions. Ride that wave out. Get on the other side of that before you start making major decisions. And then pitfall number five, depression will promote self-pity. It will promote self-pity. Elijah was convinced that everybody was out to get him. He was the only one that left, and nothing would ever be good again. Right? It will cause you to just lay down. You're already tired. And just lay down and wallow in that self-pity. Right? Woe is me. Life is over. Life is crap. I mean, you just really start thinking it's never going to get any better. Just stay in bed. Listen. Don't lay around feeling sorry for yourself. Right? And you might need that angel person in your life to help you remember that. Don't lay around feeling sorry for yourself. That's not going to fix it. Yeah, have a little bit of pity on yourself. Take a break. That's okay. But don't lay in that and wallow in that forever. Life is not going to stop. And I know that's a harsh reality, right? Because when you're depressed and things are bad, you want life to stop. You just want to take a break and everything to slow down long enough for you to catch your breath. But it will not stop. Right? Life doesn't stop. The, the globe keeps spinning. So you can't let yourself continue to feel sorry for yourself. Right? Go to this principle. Emotions and thoughts are often unreliable. Emotions and thoughts are often unreliable when we're depressed. Right? So if that emotion and that feeling is saying, be just 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 lay down, just self-pity yourself to death, right? All that stuff, you gotta be able to challenge those thoughts and emotions. And know that that's not the truth of who God made you to be, right? You need to go back to your purpose. What's my purpose, right? God's called me to do this. God said to do this, right? What's my job? What am I supposed to be doing, right? Uh, What does God say about me? God says I'm a winner, right? God says I can do all things. God says there's nothing impossible with me and Him together working, right? You got to remember all those things because your emotions and your thoughts are going to be down, 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 down. Right? And you'll go on this emotional roller coaster if you're not careful. This takes really hard work to really stop long enough, to stop your thoughts long enough and say, wait a minute, is what I'm thinking really helping me right now? And if it's not helping you, you need to challenge it. Right? And say, wait a minute, this is not a helpful thought. I might need to replace this thought with something God says. Right? You might need to quote some scripture to yourself. You might need to do some praying. Uh, but we notice that God takes care of Elijah and he speaks to him throughout his depression. And Elijah eventually gets back on track, right? If we kept reading that passage, we would find that he actually travels somewhere else and he begins to mentor someone that's going to take his place, right? He, he goes on with life. He gets his feet back under him again, right? But what's really interesting is as Elijah is there in the cave, he keeps hearing these Big booming rumbles and things like that. And he's kind of like, God, is that you? God, is that you? I wonder if that's God. And sometimes when we're depressed and we're down, God feels really far away. Right? And we wonder, hey, God, where are you at? Hey, God, I'm really sad right here. I'm having a hard time. And, and it feels like he's a million miles away. And we keep looking in the scripture and we take and we see what happens. It says that God came in the still 
small voice. Still small voice. God never left. He wasn't anywhere in particular. He's the same place he's always been. It's just a little harder to hear him sometimes when you're depressed. And you have to be really quiet, right? And think about finding God in the stillness. Finding God in the stillness. Getting still. Listening to his voice. Some of the things that might help you with that is lean on worship in your depression. Lean on some worship. You know, find some music, right? Music is so powerful in and of itself, right? Think about music for just a second outside of Christianity. When people are depressed, they write depressing songs, don't they? Right? Just turn on the country music station and you will find it. They lost their dog, their best friend, and their wife. Right? We used to say if you play country music backwards, you get back your dog, your wife, and, and, and all those things. But anyway, so, but music is this powerful thing that we have in our life. It, it is very emotional, right? Learn to lean on that during your depression, right? Find some good, some good Christian music, godly music that's going to like pour into your life, right? You might identify with some of those words that the writers are singing. Like they're going through stuff. They're having a hard time. Identify with that. Lean into that. And then lean into the part where God shows up and does big things because he will. Right? I already covered this this principle, but I'll say it again. Pray your emotions. Tell God what you're feeling. Right? Don't be afraid of that. If you're really upset and angry, be upset and angry. You're not going to hurt God's feelings. You're not going to scare God by what you say. Right? God's pretty big. Right? He's not afraid of who we are. Some people tell me, well, well, I can't get frustrated with God because that's a sin. Listen, it's not. Right? Don't sit around thinking that you're going to sin. You're going to hurt God's feelings. You're not that big. Right? You're not that big. Tell Him how you're feeling and let Him move in and love on you. Right? Think about what you do as a, for your children. Right? you got this kid that's just mad and raging and crying and screaming, right? You don't look at that kid and just be like, young man, you're not going to talk to me that way, right? You know that they're going through pain. You're going to look at them and say, come here, let me hold you. They've been through something and they're just feeling really yucky inside. You're going to hold them and comfort them. That's what God wants to do to us, right? Right? Sometimes when we have out of control behavior, maybe God has to do something else too. Right, but I'm just talking about that sadness that we get. Right? And that anger that sometimes comes with sadness. Those are times we see God moving in to wrap his loving arms around us and hold us close. Just like we would do for our kids. So don't be afraid to pray your emotions. This next principle, I really want you to hear this and hear the heart of what I'm about to say. Because it is a, a big problem in, in our churches. Don't spiritualize depression. Right? What am I saying? Am I saying that Satan can't come in and sow lies into your life and try to get you depressed? Absolutely he can. Right? So I, I want to be clear about that. But here's the other thing. Sometimes we'll look at depression and we'll spiritualize it and we'll say, well, my depression is because I lack faith. I don't have enough faith. I'm not trusting God enough. Right? And you know what? I think that's the bigger lie that Satan tries to push on us. When we get depressed and we get down, he'll turn around and he'll say, Man, you know, you should have more faith, right? 
If you really love God, you could get out of this thing. It's not a lack of faith. Right? Go back through those people that we talked about at the very beginning. You think those guys had some faith? They had to have had some faith. I mean, we're talking about some major miracles here. Right? When's the last time any of us raised somebody from the dead? Right? Or laid hands on somebody and they were healed. Right? Or, or uh, all the other things. If you go back through there, it's just amazing some of those miracles. So depression is not a lack of faith. But we are often quick to attribute uh, depression to Satan. We're often uh, quick to attribute that uh, to, to him working in our lives and us not having enough faith. But let's think about it in a different way for just a minute. Let's try to get some perspective. Uh, we know that depression is just as real of an illness as diabetes and the flu. We don't often go around and say, man, my diabetes is acting up again. That devil really must be, be working on me. I must not have enough faith. Right? We get the flu. We don't say, well, man, here, here comes another attack of the devil. Right? You just get sick. You get ill. Things happen. So don't over-spiritualize. I don't say, I'm not saying don't look for Satan and, and don't be careful of his schemes because you need to be that. You need to be on your guard and be ready to fight him with the word of God. Right? But don't over-spiritualize things. Right? The other thing is depression may not be a result of sin. Now, sometimes when we sin, we feel guilty, we have shame, and we kind of slip into that, right? But just because somebody is depressed doesn't mean they have this big life of sin, right? We, we've got to be careful with these things, right? We, we end up leading people to believe things that are just not true about God, right? Imagine the person who has been told that they're sinful and they have a lack of faith and that's why they can't ever get better. What does that do to their faith? Doesn't strengthen it. Probably they're going to walk away and say, "Well, I guess Jesus can't fix it, right? Just forget this whole Christian thing. Just I don't want to have any part of that, right? So be careful with that." Another principle is, is before we close today, right? Is get practical. Get practical, all right? So things that you can do to help yourself if you're feeling down or you got another person feeling down is get some exercise. Right? The science behind exercise is pretty interesting. Uh, it promotes some of the same chemicals that some of the medications for depression does. Right? It's a good exercise regimen uh, can be uh, equivalent to Prozac, right? one of the main drugs that is used to treat depression. So getting some good exercise will build some of those things. And in fact, what happens with depression is we, we lose some connectivity. Some neurons are not firing the way they need to fire. And so we get that exercise. We get those good chemicals going again, that serotonin right flowing again, and that helps a lot. So get some exercise, uh, even if you don't want it. And then don't isolate yourself. right? Don't let yourself isolate. Take a break. But then go do some things with friends. right? If you don't do anything, but get up and go see a movie with your friend. Go to dinner with your friend. Do something to get yourself out in the sunshine, get the sunshine on you, and be with other people. That's some of the best medicine that you can have when you're depressed. Even though your brain is telling you, I don't want to be around people, I don't want to see anybody right now, I don't want, to see, want anybody to see me this way, call somebody in this church because they don't care. They just love you. They don't care what you look like. They don't care what kind of mood you're in. Right Today I came in with some lack of sleep and I'm like, I just feel grumpy. They don't know I care. They just love me, right? I'm just grumpy anyway. It's okay. So don't isolate, but do something you enjoy, right? And if you can't get over it, don't be afraid to go see the doctor, right? 
I talk to so many people, and they'll go to the doctor for everything else. Right? Everything else is okay to go to the doctor before. Right? But not if I'm depressed. Lord, no. I would never go to the doctor if I'm depressed because what if I get on some medication? Right? And I get better. Right? Did you know that about 80% of the people who go to the doctor or go to a counselor actually find relief in the first few weeks? That's an amazing statistic. We don't hear about that much. There are some people who struggle and struggle and struggle, but most people do get better. So don't be afraid to reach out for that professional help. There is no shame in that. Right? We've got, as a church, I think we've got to destigmatize mental health. Um, we'll probably close with that next week, talking a little bit about that. We've got to destigmatize this thing. Right? It's, it, again, it's not some spiritual uh, downfall in your life. Right? It's just like anything else. And we will look at anything else like diabetes and high blood pressure and headaches and flu. We'll look at all that and say, man, get to the doctor. But when it comes to depression, we'll just tell people, you know, suck it up. You know, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. But guess what? It doesn't always work that way. So don't be afraid to meet with that doctor or counselor. Right? And then remember that depression is not the end. Right? Just like all these other great men and women of God were able to move their lives forward, we can too, right? It's not the end-all, be-all. You can get better, and you will get better. I have to work out a little bit. I hope that just hearing this today has, has sparked some thoughts in your mind. Uh, Wednesday night, we'll come back again, and we'll go a little bit deeper, give you guys a chance to really talk about maybe your own experiences with depression, and then also thinking about things that maybe have helped you or helped a friend. I think it's cool on Wednesday nights we just get to share, you know, about our experiences and put our heads together and um, come up with some great ideas. So let me pray with you, though, before we close today. Father, we love you. And, Lord, we thank you so much, God, for all that you do. And, Lord, all that you're doing in our hearts and our lives. And, Lord, we thank you for your word today. God, we just ask you to go with us as we move into our community. Uh, help us to be your hands and feet. And, Father, help us to speak life, Lord, to those that may be really struggling right now. Maybe they're sad. Maybe they're depressed. Help us to be uh, that light that they need and that joy that they need. And, Lord, for those that may be struggling with depression that's in this building or listening to us online today, encourage them, strengthen them, and just cause wonderful things to happen. Amen.